National Rugby is back. We hear from the men's and women's camp in this week's Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Welsh coach Wayne Pivak names his side for a friendly out in France. We hear from him, as well as Corey Hill and Dustin Tipperick later. We'll start with the Wales women's team because there's a new person in charge there. Darren Edwards is one of the most experienced Welsh coaches around and he's come in on an interim basis to prepare the squad for the Scotland game next weekend to finally finish off their Six Nations campaign. A chance to hear much more from him now. First of all, Darren, you've come in relatively newly to the women's game on this interim basis. What have you made of what you found? Yeah, it was a really good challenge for me. You know, when I was asked to come in, it was something, you know, I've never done before. So, you know, walking in for the first time was really unique for me. And But what I found when I walked in was um, a group of people that were unbelievably professional in their attitudes towards the game. They're playing in England, so they've got a lot of travel. They work in the day and then they're coming into training in the night. You know, it took me back to when I first started playing, you know, the, the amount of preparation and mindset and attitude to come in and really work hard was unbelievable. I suppose that's the one thing about the women's game because most of them have, have got jobs or maybe students and the travel from North Wales to and from England. And, you know, the challenge as well is getting bigger because the competition they play in in England is a really good competition. You know, the English and the, and the French are playing at a high standard. The commitment that the, the women show, that's the one thing that you never have to worry about. No, incredible what they go through in, in the day and particularly now, you know, we sort of train in four times a week to do what they do in the day and then come in and train four nights a week is is incredible. So in terms of the last few weeks and a couple of months, I mean, it's obviously been very different. You've been coming into the programme new. How easy has it been for you or difficult has it been for you to get to meet everybody, get across what you think just in the current circumstances? Yeah, you know, it was very unique. I, I actually was, you know, going into, a, I've never worked with women before and, and actually going in under these circumstances with everybody wearing face masks and going in to talk about environment and how to create a great high performance environment. So that was a big challenge to walk into. But, you know, the moment I walked in there, you know, you could just see they were just so willing to try and get better at what they do and so open. So it made it quite easy in the end. Once I started, I could just really feel, you know, there's a, a massive commitment to the program and having come in as interim head coach obviously there's a desire to see the team do well but it's also developing the players with a a world cup in mind uh, just 12 months away yeah and that was the big goal for me you know the the scotland game is really important it's unfinished business from a six nations campaign but it's where this group of people can be in 12 months time that's the important thing i want to leave behind when i leave this program is um you know some foundations of how you create a, a great culture that's going to take you through to the world cup because when you're in a sort of campaign and you're all in your own bubble out there it's going to rely on culture because you know you don't know where you're going to be at with injuries and performance and that side of things so if I, I can leave by making them think about being good people they'll be good players in the future and the six nations campaign in particular the game against italy was disappointing hadn't really gone all the way that they would have wanted so this scotland game it's almost the difference between an okay six nations and a little bit disappointing so it's quite a big game for them 
it is, and I and I can feel that from going into camp. You know, um, they're really happy to have this game, although you know it's it's so far away from the last Six Nations, but it's still meaningful to them. You know, they really wanted to get this game on and get this win. You know, they're all ready and prepared to play it, and the staff as well. They were all working on that program as well, so. They, it is an important game. It's slightly disadvantaged in that Scotland are playing against France this weekend. So, you know, they'll get one game under their belt. But the, the desire to do well in two weeks' time is definitely there. And throughout the Six Nations, they've had plenty of possession, which has been good. Even against England and France, they've had the ball, which shows some improvements. It's just getting over the line, making the most of that possession that's been the challenge. Isn't it? It's your area of expertise, the attack. Is there anything you brought in to try and make sure they can do that? I'm hoping that we, we play the, the momentum well. Attack's about momentum. And in particular, you know, the, the attacking contact area, you know, the, the faster you get the ball, the easier it is to make decisions. So, you know, we've been working really hard on our attacking contact area and now how we can speed up the ball. Then the decision making becomes easier. So hopefully we'll see signs of that. And you've got some exciting players to work with as well, some talent there. Yeah, there's some real talent in that squad and, uh, and you know, there's ambition as well. There's players who want to go and play in the Olympics, which would be great for Wales, and then obviously go to the World Cup. And the big thing that actually stands out in this squad is that it's quite a young squad. It's a small number of caps. We've got one or two players who've got a high number of caps, but the, the others are in sort of single figures. So, you know, there's a massive amount of growth there. And you've brought back a bit of experience. So you have got that smattering of, obviously, you know, Shuan as the captain, Eleanor, but also Shona Powell-Hughes coming back. You've looked to improve that. Yeah, I think you've got to have a spine of your team. You know, that stuff carries you through. And, and particularly um, when players come into our environment, they've got to have people to rely on, you know, to bring them through and actually share their experiences with the younger players. I feel we're in a good place now that the, the balance is right between sort of experience and youth. And those younger players beginning to make an impression, who's caught your eye? Oh, there's, uh, there's quite a number, actually. Um, Kaylee Powell, I think she's quite unique. She's a great rugby player, very talented. Um, just now needs to find her position and where she wants to play. But um, it was quite a, a strange feeling, actually, because when I walked into the environment, nobody would speak to me, particularly didn't know me, and they were young. Now, it's unbelievable that the amount of um, chat we have in the squad, they come to me to actually ask advice. You know, they've really got a massive thirst for knowledge. So I think that this whole group of young players in this squad, uh, you know, could go far. So let's look at the Scotland game directly. Scotland, obviously, have also played fewer games. They've got this game against France this weekend. But what do you make of their Six Nations? Because their results on paper have just been slightly better than Wales's. Yeah, I, I think we're probably evenly matched. And even from the fact that they've got a new um, head coach stepped in there too. So I'm sure there's going to be a different spin on the team that we saw in the Six Nations. Um, I think it's going to be a, a real tight game. They're well prepared. I, hopefully I get to look at them against France before we play them. So maybe it's an advantage for us. I'm playing at the Cardiff City Stadium. That's going to be uh, a new venue for them. Quite an exciting place to play. Yeah, very exciting place to play and, and great surface to play on. So um, no real advantage because the, the stadium's perfect, perfect pitch, you know, and, and whatever the weather conditions are on the day, it's going to be down to the team and the mindset of that team on the day. And of course, one of the, the features of the women's game has been the crowds increasing. They've had good crowds at the Arms Park, great crowds when you go, say, to England and France. Obviously, there won't be any crowd for this one. Will that change the atmosphere, change the match in any way, do you think? It's actually going to be probably a bit, a little bit more weirder for all of us as staff because the women have all, most of them have played out in England already. Have a two to three games out in England, you know, so they've played 
in, a, in front of an empty stadium. So I, I think it'll be a bigger challenge for the staff. And how important is it for your players that they have been able to, to restart in England, that that highest level of women's rugby has restarted there? Oh, I, I think this, with all the, all the women playing out in England now, is a, is a game changer for the game in Wales. On a number of levels, you know, the competition is really good and competitive. I've been impressed by the standard of the, of the matches that I've watched, but also the environment that they're training in as well. You know, they, they're training amongst some world-class women rugby players and, you know, that will only help with their development and also give them some confidence so when they do come up against them, you know, they're actually competing with them weekly. So um, I think it would be a game-changer for the game in Wales. So looking forward and picking up on that point, you're stepping away from the women's programme after this game. Where do you see it going? Where do you see the position compared to, say, England and France, where professionalism is so much more established? Yeah, I, I think there's only one way it's going, and that's up. You know, there, there is a desire from the Welsh Rugby Union to commit to the women's game. They're committed to turning them professional. This is a massive area of growth in the game, and um, it's actually a, a unique opportunity to actually build something. If you're a woman in Wales, you know, to become a, a professional sports person, you know, there's there's not many opportunities to do that. So there's going to be a vehicle within rugby that um, if you want to be a professional sports person, you can do that. So I, I think there's huge growth for the future. So you can see that becoming a much more attractive proposition for girls aged you know, 11, 12, 13, younger even maybe. Yeah, I, I can see it being huge, you know, and in other sports, you, know, you can leave the, the other sports and come and join this and be a professional. And, and not only just to be a professional, you know, you can go and play in a, an Olympic Games, you know, Commonwealth Games, a World Cup. You know, it, it's it's a great stages that they can put themselves into. And just to finish off with Darren about yourself, because, uh, you know, someone with great experience with Wales age groups, Bath, coaching period in Japan as well, Dragons too. Coming back to Wales to take an involvement in the Sevens programme, overseeing the Sevens programme, that's obviously all changed under the current circumstances. What happens with you and your contribution, do you think, going forward? I'm not quite sure. You know, it's very, um, nobody's quite sure what's going to go on in the future. But um, the important thing for me actually coming back to Wales is to have an influence on something. When I jumped in on the Sevens, it was to try and reinvigorate that and also give it a value to the Welsh game and actually the national team. You know, there's many Sevens players who are in the national team at the moment, you know, and if you talk to any of them, you know, they saw the value of that programme to their careers. The same with the women's game, you know, it's really pleased I could jump in on that and give them some of my experiences and sort of try and help shape what the future looks like. So, you know, I'd love to be involved in shaping the future of something, you know, here back in Wales. That was important. Most of my career I've come in and out of Wales for a reason in trying to keep gaining experience to eventually bring it back into Wales. I'm a proud Welshman and I wanted to try and do something back here. Great, well, Darren, always a pleasure to talk to you. Good luck with the preparation for the game in just over a week's time and, and good luck with whatever follows it. Brilliant, thanks for your chat. You're listening to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. So that was interesting to hear the exciting developments for Wales women and an exciting weekend and a few weeks ahead for Wales men with a friendly in France to start it off. A Six Nations finale against Scotland, followed then by the Autumn Nations Cup. Coach Wayne Pivax picked a strong squad for the Paris game. He explained the selection, of course. These days, the Wales press conferences are held over Zoom. Yeah, blindside, there's an injury to Ross Moriarty. Uh, He was down to start this uh, test match. He uh, picked up an injury in training yesterday and unfortunately won't be right for the weekend. So 
Aaron uh, Wainwright takes a slot at six and uh, James Davies comes onto the bench. Uh, in the front row, uh, we've looked at early season form for club rugby and we've also um, looked at form in training. Reese Carey has trained very, very well and Samson Lee, his time out after being away from the squad in the Six Nations, he's gone and done uh, the work we wanted him to do. He's come back with the Scarlets in, in very good condition in terms of his form and so those two uh, get a start. In the back line, I guess it's good to see uh, the likes of Johnson Davis and Josh Adams available again who, who weren't back in March, so uh, no real experimentation needed there. No, and Jonathan's worked um, tremendously hard to get himself back into the position to be able to play a test match. He's ticked every box along the way. He'll be better for this match for a week's time with Scotland. A guy like uh, Josh Adams, his quality, we know that. He's scored a lot of tries. He's world-class, and to have him back, that's, uh, that's fantastic for us. They both trained very, very well. In the midfield there, we've got uh, George covering the midfield, and uh, young Louis Rees-Samet comes in, and uh, he'll get some game time. Was there ever any temptation to experiment a little bit more or were you always intending to go fully loaded? No, no, we've looked at, uh, well, there are some players that we had to wait and see what was happening in English club football to see who was available. And there may have been another couple of changes, but, you know, with what's available, we've gone with this group of players. We think um, trained very, very well, taken into consideration fitness testing we've done. So, you know, George even though he hasn't played, his last game for us was a very, very good game against England. He's very fit at the moment. He's done a lot of work whilst he's been out of the actual playing side of the game. And we think uh, he's good to go 80 minutes, whereas Jonathan, we'll, we'll have to see how long he goes. And Louis uh, obviously would come onto the pitch and George move in if need be. A word about uh, your skipper, Alan Wynne-Jones, who keeps on setting records. Uh, another one equaled World Test Camps. Yeah, he'll tell me off though if I speak too much about him because <clears throat> that's the nature of the beast. He just wants to get on with the game. He's, he's looking forward to this test match like it was his first test match. He's just that sort of character. Leading by example during the week, as you'd expect. Plenty of great, uh, good words to say and encouragement to the young guys. Uh, just brings that wealth of experience, which is invaluable. But he's the first guy to say that, look, if his form's not good enough, he, he shouldn't be selected. And I can assure you at training, he's doing everything that he's been doing for a number of years now. And it's great for the young guys to see him lead like that. And he's an inspiration to all of the players. This is the only theoretical friendly and in inverted commas matches before Six Nations, Autumn Nations, more Six Nations. Um, what are you hoping to get out of it as a whole? Well, for us, it's, it's getting the group back together. We've had you know, half a dozen training sessions now. So for us, it's, it's to get a game under our belt before we finish off that Six Nations, which is it's very important to us that we have a good performance against Scotland and finish that competition well. So this is great to have this match to lead into that. Certainly we'll be going out there and looking to get a result. But it's the performance that we're after from both from a forwards point of view. There are certain things that we want to achieve in the game. And, and also with our execution and making sure that opportunities we do create, like we did in the French game in the Six Nations, this time around we want to be able to punish uh, this French team if we get that opportunity. Obviously the players have been playing, but it's your first team announcement in nearly eight months. How does that feel? Yeah, it's great. It's great to be back. We talked about it as a group and Alan Wynn brought it up. It's a very, very valid point that we're very, very fortunate that we're coming together and being able to get organised and play a test match. A lot of people can't go to work and there's a lot of people in our union that still aren't back at work. So we're going to look to make sure we put some smiles on some faces. That's what we want to try and do in this uh, campaign of six matches and make sure that we uh, do our communities and, and our country proud. And that's certainly what we're going to try and achieve.
a lot of people, including fans and journalists, licking their lips at the thought of Nick Tompkins and John Davis. Obviously, we've, we've not seen them as a Welsh pairing, but you've seen them in training. What can we expect? Like anything, it's a new pairing, as you say. It'll take a little bit of time, but it's, it's starting to gel quite nicely at training. Albeit that's not the pressure of a test match, but certainly uh, we know Nick's got great footwork and he's showing that at training now. He's put on a couple of kilos since the last uh, campaign. So, you know, I think you'll see a slightly different Nick Tompkins. He'll be as physical as he needs to be in that 12 jersey. And, uh, yeah, the experience of Jonathan uh, with him is going to help immensely. And, and obviously from a defensive point of view, I think uh, John's one of the best in the world in that 13 position, and that's going to help us immensely. Thoughts on Corey Hill being back since Feb 2019. It's been a tough year and a half for him, hasn't it? It has, and he's another one chomping at the bit. As you say, he hasn't played for a while at this level of the game. Uh, he gets a start, and uh, he'll run our attacking lineouts, and so he's got a bit of responsibility there, which he relishes. Just on, on Ryan Elias, obviously Ken Owens is, is going to be out for four months, may impact the Six Nations as well next year. What do you want to see from Ryan Elias, and how sort of up for grabs is that number two jersey at the moment? Yeah, well, it's big shoes to fill, as we know. 77, I think, test matches. It's not just the number of tests. It's the way Ken plays whenever he pulls the jersey on, you know. You get what it says on the tin. You're going to get a massive defender, a guy with a high work rate, good skill set, and he's a very good scrummager. So he's going to be a big loss. But Ryan's a guy that sat behind him at club level for a long time. And obviously, he's worked his way into this position now in the Welsh camp. And so he's relishing the opportunity. But as I say, big shoes to fill, and he knows that. And I'm expecting him and both Sam Perry over the 80 minutes to have a big contribution. How did you separate Rhys Webb and Gareth Davis? That must have been a difficult one. Yeah, it is. At the moment for us, one of the biggest things we're looking at is speed to the breakdown. So that's getting uh, the speed of ball that we want from each breakdown. Halfback plays a massive role in that, and we want the nine in and the ball gone very, very quickly. And at the moment, he probably just edges in that department, but also uh, he's a very good talker and manager of the forward pack. And I think that experience that he does bring in those two areas of the game, I think just gives him the nudge at this stage. But uh, certainly they're two quality nines and a good headache to have. Can you just speak a little bit around the situation around Sam Warburton's the departure from the, the group and what Kathy Jenkins has, has brought since he's come on board? So Sam, unfortunately, I guess the discussions I've had with him is, is a simple one, really, that COVID's taken its toll on a lot of people. He's also uh, had a, a new addition to his family and with the other business uh, interests that he has, he had to make a decision. He couldn't commit to everything and he felt that at his age, um, the coaching was the one that would have to go at this stage. He's enjoyed his time with us. We've had a, a handover between him and Gethin, and Gethin has slipped right into the role. He's been doing this sort of role with uh, in and around the Blues and the Wales under-20s, and I can assure you uh, it's like for like, really. We've got a, a very, very experienced man at the breakdown, very good in the, the same skill set that Sam had in terms of the defensive breakdown as well. So it's been a seamless transition. Just wondering what you do differently to the Six Nations game against France. Hopefully win it. <laughs> for us, it's about eliminating our mistakes because if you look back at that game, I think there was a try from a, a dropped high ball. We didn't escort well to cover Lee. Uh, that ball bounced favourably and they, they scored seven points. After half time, I think we'd got the momentum back, 17-16, and got the turnover. And then from that scrum, we had a scoring opportunity with a 3v1, I think it was. And we threw it to the French player and they got another seven points. So for us, if we eliminate those mistakes, I think we're in a pretty good position. It's not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination for either side because it's the first game that we'll both play in short preparation time. So I think if we can eliminate the mistakes we made that day, we should go okay.
First game for both sides, but a first start for Wales' lock, Corey Hill, for around 18 months, since scoring the crucial try against England, in fact. He's ready for that wait to finally be over. I come back in the Six Nations. Um, I was on the bench for the Italy game and then picked up a hamstring injury, so it was a bit frustrating. Got back fit, ready for the Scotland game, and obviously that was called off, so it was a bit stops the hat again. So here we are, I think, seven months later. Hopefully get that started test jersey and, and play well. Ready to get out there. We've had a good two weeks prep in camp. And yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll get off to a good start this autumn. Get a good test match under our belt, ready for Scotland. Personally, there's a, a lot of competition for those uh, second row places, isn't there? Especially when you've got uh, Alan Wynn in one of them. Yeah, it certainly is. Obviously, we've got Will playing in the prep final this weekend and, and there's a lot of competition here down at the Vale as well. So, so yeah, it keeps everyone on their toes and keeps everyone striving as well. So training's always tasty, which is good. We're all pushing each other. And I think that's a very healthy place for the squad to be in. What uh, would you say about Alan Wynne-Jones as he equals that uh, world record for test caps? Oh, he's pretty inspirational, isn't he? Um, he's certainly inspirational for us guys as, as well as you guys. And I always say um, you guys are lucky enough to see him on the on the weekend when he plays, but we're lucky enough to um, train next to him and see see how he does, how he goes day to day. And and yeah, he certainly is an inspiration, and and is an honour to be um, playing alongside him. From a personal point of view, you've captained Wales, you've captained your, your regions. Are you trying to pick up captaincy? Uh suggestions from him as as you go along and share a place with him try and learn off all those experienced guys um i think i said in the first week i come in camp you just try and be as much of a sponge as you can and learn off everyone along the way and if you can pick up tips from those guys i think you're you're going in the right direction and yeah he's certainly one you can take a lot out of and, and learn a lot off but then again you've got to got to put your best foot forward as well and and it's all about getting that jersey and playing international rugby and and yeah, I'm here to um, put my best foot forward and hopefully have a good autumn series. And what are your thoughts on uh, how the, the change of region is uh, suiting you just uh, coming back down the road? Yeah, as I think a lot of people said, it's back home and it's where I started off as a youngster, come through. Yeah, it was about me coming back to the Blues, getting that fresh start I probably needed. Had a little bit of a, a rough period over the last two years, probably due to a few injuries. So yeah, it's, it was great to have a fresh start. Obviously a bit stop-start, wasn't it, due to COVID, but yeah, it was nice to get those two league games under our belt before we come into camp and, and nice to um, sign off with two wins as well. Of course, the Wales squad preparation can't be normal in these times. Flanker Justin Tipperick explains some of the changes. A little bit different. Even being at the hotel is so quiet compared to normal and just everything going on, but it's, it's kind of the new norm now, which is a little bit weird. And you will have seen that obviously a lot of sports about to finish, a lot of society has been locked down. You're playing this weekend. How much of a sort of a burden or honour do you think to say that to the Welsh public be able to watch you while they've gone into lockdown? Yeah, we know we're in a lucky position anyway, and especially to continue doing what we're doing in such a, not a nice time. And hopefully this weekend um, we can get you know, the Welsh public to tune in and chill out uh, in their homes and hopefully um, put a good performance on and something fun to watch and entertain. How different is it, Justin? What have you got to go through when you get into camp? Obviously, all temperature checks and masks on everywhere you go, basically. Everything you, you probably heard of as what we're like in our regions, you've got to be two metres apart as best as possible. We have our own rooms now where before you probably would have shared with someone backs and forwards and in different changing rooms. Yeah, just little things like that, really, that you probably wouldn't normally imagine that that's going on. Gethin has replaced Sam. What's he been like in the camp? Kind of swapped over, really. It's been 
yeah, breath fresh air really. Uh, he's come in and doing all the context area stuff and on all that that's been going on. And yeah, he's got so much knowledge and boys are just listening every time he talks and taking everything on board. It's been March since you played for Wales. What do you think it's going to be like? It's going to be a little bit weird. Yeah, it's been a long time. Like you say, it's nice to, to get back to international rugby and normally when you're international there's the big crowds and all that side of it it's going to be a little bit weird not having that and um, yeah we kind of used to it a bit after a couple of games but yeah it's just nice to get back and put, put the red jersey on It seems like years ago since you played them in the Six Nations is the feeling that that was perhaps one game that got away from you guys? Yeah definitely when we look back at it we, well, we know it, it was we left so many opportunities out there and when you watch back the game, it is hard to watch, knowing that we should have won that game, but all credit to them, they got the win in the end. But yeah, like you say, it's a lot of learning done since that game, and hopefully we can put those things right. I guess usually your Wednesday would be your day off to go home, wouldn't it? So what are you allowed to do? What are you not allowed to do? And how different is it when you're allowed to go home and see your family and stuff like that? At the start of the week, we obviously get a bit of time with them. And then as we come towards games and stuff, you have to obviously be in our bubble. But yeah, obviously we're not allowed to leave the premises of the Vale, so obviously there's committees and the entertainment committees have uh, got a big job to do in keeping the boys entertained. Who's in charge of that for this camp and what have they set up so far? Liam Williams is always, uh, he likes to call himself head of committee of the, the entertainment and then uh, there's a few other boys under him as well, and Josh Adams, Corey Hill, Dylan Lewis, then four are in charge of it. Movies, cards maybe, gaming... That's what's gone on in the past. So they'll probably have to think outside the box a bit now, but they'll come up with something knowing them not. Have you got any kids? Yeah, three. Yeah, how difficult is that for them and for you? Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's probably more difficult for the missus, to be honest, dealing with three kids in the house on their own. But there's ways around it. Obviously, we get a bit of time. It's not like we're not going to see them for the whole eight weeks. We still will get to see them after four or five days and just have to make up for that time there. Is this a bit like being on tour on the other side of the world? Uh, not so much, no, but uh, there obviously are similar bits to it. It's not as obviously bad as being away in the World Cup or wherever, like we were in Japan, where you're away weeks and weeks. But no, it's, it is obviously a lot easier. You know, you know everything about the veil or the rooms and stuff, so it's, it's a little bit of comfort in that way. And, and you know, after a few hard days of training and stuff, you do get to see your family for a day or two. Three wins, one defeat in Paris. You've got a pretty good record against the French over there. I mean, uh, there was a time when we could never beat them in Paris. Obviously, we've been quite lucky and had some good wins over there. They're obviously starting to pick up a bit of form now and progressing as a nation as well. So, yeah, it's going to be a tough win. And like you say, hopefully we can get another win over there, though. So plenty of previews next week of the two games against Scotland and best of luck to Wales out in Paris this weekend. But until next week from the Welsh Rugby Union podcast, goodbye and stay safe.